0: We welcome you tonight to our evening service. We're happy that you are here and we want to worship the Lord tonight with all our hearts. And I invite you, please, we'll stand and sing number 335, Wesley's great hymn, And Can It Be? Let's stand, please, as we worship the Lord tonight. Prisoned spirit lay. What a statement and what an expression of what it was like for us being held by the devil. Captive. Captive. Held in sin. No seeking of God. No desire after the things of the Lord at all. Coming to a church service. Coming to a prayer meeting. So foreign. So out of our, our thinking at all. And yet... How God stepped in, our spirits fast bound in sin and nature's night, but the eye of God diffused a quickening ray. The Spirit of God came and spoke to our hearts, opened our understanding, showed us Christ, the only antidote for sin, and we were brought by saving faith to trust in Him. (laughs) Ah, friends, tonight let the joy of the Lord and the peace of Christ enter your heart with all praise. But what about someone here tonight that does not know the Lord? Maybe you're watching online tonight and you've never made your peace with God. Well, come tonight, humble yourself before the Lord and cry out, Father, what must I do to be saved? And when you pray that prayer, the Lord will hear, He will save, and you will know the joy of peace with God and sins forgiven. Let's sing these final two verses. seated. And praise God for the great privilege we have of singing the glories of Christ and the wonders of so great salvation. We have much to praise and thank God for. Well, tonight we're very happy that Reverend Mrs. Cranston are with us tonight. Our brother's taking a little break from his own pulpit this evening, and Brother Siman, Daniel Siman, is there tonight and he is preaching the word. But I'm going to ask our brother to please lead us to the throne of grace in prayer uh, tonight. Let us all pray.
1: Eternal and gracious, loving Father, it is with joy that we come into thy house this Sabbath evening. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And we rejoice, Lord, that we're able to spend the Sabbath evening in Thy house with God's people, and Lord, around Thy precious Word. But most of all, we're glad, dear Savior, that we're able to meet afresh with Thyself. For, Lord, with those Emmaus disciples, we would say unto Thee, Lord, the day is far spent, it is toward evening. Come and abide with us. And how we bless thee for the response that the Lord went in and dwelt with them. That it was whenever he broke the bread that their eyes were opened and they saw the Savior. O oh dear Lord, as thy servant tonight will break the bread of life, we pray that tonight we'll see Christ again I will love him. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the pleasures of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, Lord Jesus, tis now. We pray, Lord, should any tonight be here and their heart is cold. O Lord, I pray they'll fall in love with Christ afresh this evening. And any, Lord, that know not the Savior, oh, what an awful state to be in, to be without Christ and without hope, no hope of heaven. O Lord, I pray that thou will give help to thy servant as he preaches thy word this evening. Fill him with the Holy Ghost, Preach, may preach with power. And o Lord, I pray that some dear soul will come and say, Lord, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, bless this congregation and thy servant who ministers here week by week. Lord, again, remember those that are led aside. Remember Mrs. Saunders, Sr. and others, Lord, that need that touch from thyself. Lord, draw very near. Bless thy servant again tonight, we pray. Undertake for the Reverend McKee and bless him in his own soul. Lord, bless his congregation back there in McLeod. Dear Lord, come and visit us here this evening. Send us, Lord, a breath of revival. Give us a glimpse of Christ again. Even, Lord, as those Greeks came to the disciples and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Give his eyes to see him tonight. And Lord, may we go away from God's house rejoicing that indeed we have seen the Lord. We ask all these things in the Savior's name for his honor, his praise, and his glory alone. Amen. Amen.
0: The Word of God tells us that where there is no vision, the people perish. And that, of course, is not talking about some dreamy vision that someone has in a night dream or something like that. It's speaking about a vision of the Lord God, the revelation of His Word, and the making known of the Lord to a people. And so as we sing this second hymn tonight... It is that prayer, be thou my vision. Well, let's stand, please, and sing that. It's number 462. Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book and the epistle of 2nd Peter, 2nd Peter chapter 1. We're reading the first 11 verses, book of 2nd Peter, chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him Of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God bless His Word to you. We often think about the promises that God has given in His Word, and those promises, Peter records here, are exceeding great, and they are precious promises And believer, I know that as you have taken those promises that the Lord has given you in your own private daily reading, something so impressed upon your heart at a time of great need, and you've been able to stand on them, and you may not have seen the answer come right away, but the Spirit of God has written them upon your heart, and you've been able to say, yes, that is a word from God for me. That is a word to my own soul. And I'm very thankful for that. And you stand on it and you depend on the Lord to answer. And you will find that sooner or later the fulfillment of that word and that promise comes. And what joy there is. And it strengthens our hearts. And it's the very fact of adding to our faith all the additions that are given to us here. And if these things are in us and abound, well, the knowledge of Christ It is being perfected in us, and we want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus every single day. May the Lord bless His Word to you tonight. Well, we welcome you, give you a warm word of welcome to our service tonight. And if you're here for the first time or you've come back again, you're very, very welcome. And we certainly give Reverend Cranston and his wife a warm word of welcome tonight and the McKee family, which we'll be speaking about in a few moments again, and the folks viewing our service online tonight. We're very, very happy that you are here with us, and may the Lord bless you and encourage your heart. As I mentioned this morning, we have been praying for Reverend Bodner, who's in the hospital out in the West End in Mississauga, and he is on a ventilator right now, and I would ask you to remember our brother in prayer And thank you for your prayers for my mom. Uh, She is stabilized in the hospital in Ajax, uh, but they're keeping in for a few more days just to be sure that she's able to uh, be able to manage and get up and get out on her own. So we want to thank you for your prayers in regarding that. The last couple of nights, we've had some special meetings over the weekend on Friday night with Reverend McKee. And uh, also on Saturday, we had good fellowship with the international dinner. And then last evening, as our brother spoke to the men and his wife, it gave a devotional word to the ladies. And that has been a blessing. And, of course, the morning service as well. Well, you can go online on Sermon Audio, and you'll be able to uh, get those services if you would like to listen to them at a later time want to encourage you, I know it's a bit rainy tonight and it'll be dark by the time we get out, but when it's light again I would encourage you to go to, by the school by the drive where you'll see a tree that is planted there and some large decorative uh, stones that have been put around that and also a plaque that has been engraved and that is all to do with a memorial uh, for Mrs. Jennifer Browett and I really appreciate Brother Alec Newell, who was able to do all of that work, get that construction done with the uh, stones placed around there, and he engraved also that memorial plaque. And I believe it will be, it's a fitting memorial to our dear sister Jennifer, who went home to be with the Lord earlier on in this year. And I know our brother Dan greatly appreciates uh, that as well. Also, uh, Brother Newell has been very busy working and finishing up that gate, and then also you'll see the enclosure, maybe you didn't even see it, to our garbage and recycling bins. Those things are unsightly no matter what you do with them, so it's nice they're all covered in now and you can't see them. The only thing is the raccoons are not too happy about it because they've got to scale the wooden fence now to get into the garbage bin, and, uh, but we'll not be too discouraged if they don't get in uh, too often. We want to also pass on our condolences to our sister Hyacinth tonight. I should have mentioned that this morning, but Hyacinth lost a dear cousin of hers overseas in the United Kingdom uh, just this uh, past couple of days. And so we extend to Hyacinth our condolences for you. I know she wanted to go over to the funeral, but uh, circumstances just did not allow that. And so, too, we do remember her, please, in prayer. Remember the prayer meeting. Well, first of all, before we get to that, there's fellowship after tonight. Downstairs, plenty of food left over from last night. And so I hope you'll plan to stay and enjoy the company and fellowship with each other. And then on Monday night at 7 p.m., we have our youth and young adult special service. And Brother McKee will be speaking at that meeting tomorrow night. And then on Wednesday night, we have our Bible study and prayer time. That will be continuing on at 7.30. Please remember uh, in prayer, I have to travel to Cloverdale, British Columbia on Thursday to be there for this coming Lord's Day. And uh, this will be the second time I've been able to visit with the congregation since I took over as being the interim moderator and helper for them as they do not have a pastor at this time. And so, remember me in prayer, and then I'll be traveling to uh, Calgary after that on the Monday in order to take in the minister's presbytery time and our seasons of prayer. And in that regard, I would ask you to remember all of our ministers and those elders who are able to travel. Our brother McAnally is going to be traveling this time to go to Calgary and participate, be one of the elders representing our congregation here. So we're happy about that. And... um, I know the restrictions have been released as of the end of September, but really it didn't give enough time for some of our American brethren who were not able to travel uh, time to make their plans. So we're just going to take that of of the Lord and rejoice for whoever can be there in person, and the rest will be joining our meetings every day and the prayer times online via Zoom. And we pray that these times will be very instrumental. In the next stage and the encouragement of praying together with God's uh, servants and seeing how the Lord will yet do a good work in all of our churches. Please remember in prayer those uh, services and those churches, rather, that don't have the ministers at this particular time. Let me ask you to also remember Mr. John Kelly in your prayer. Uh, John has spoken here in our church before, and we had him via Zoom in our prayer meeting to tell us really a vision after he's graduated from the seminary of what he had hoped to do by the leading of the Lord in New England. Well, it seems that circumstances can change and the Lord has a way of of doing that. Our brother tried very, very earnestly uh, to find accommodation uh, in New England where he was hoping to minister, but things just doors closed one after another and he did not have a full-time steady job, so when he said, well, I can have a part-time job, as he could drive a bus, but it just wasn't enough for anybody to sign him up uh, for rent. So doors closed after another. And then he received a call from someone in Maine where he had ministered before, and they really put out the Macedonian call to him and said, Brother, come over and help us. And he really has taken that as a sign from the Lord of a temporary redirection, at least, And he still has a burden and a vision. Who knows what will open up for him in New England in the days to come. But so he believes that he's going to go there and uh, begin to pioneer and start a brand new work under the umbrella of the Free Presbyterian Ministry. And so do remember Brother John Kelly and his wife. Actually, October the 3rd, they're planning to begin their travel uh, up to Maine and get settled there. So that's a very important prayer request and ministry at this time. We are going to sing another hymn at this time and uh, before we actually begin that I'll say a couple of other things but if you're looking in your hymn book you can turn up there and that's number 476. But uh, while we are singing that hymn, we're very pleased that our young youth and young adults are going to be singing for us tonight and this is a great encouragement because it's been a long time since we've had any choir of any dimension and uh, we're happy that the young people are taking part in the service in this way of ministering in song and so they're going to come up um, sometime as we sing this hymn then they're going to bring a message in song and then they will uh, go down back to their seats after that and when they are finished uh, we're very happy that the mckees are going to be singing again a duet tonight and then following that our brother will come to the pulpit and bring the word that he has to share with us tonight. It's been a real blessing to have the McKees with us. Reverend Ryan McKee is the minister of of Cal... I'm going to say Calgary. It would be Calvary Free Presbyterian Church in Mockrefeld, and uh, he has been ministering there in a full-time capacity for four years, I believe it is, or about that, but he served as an associate pastor uh, for many, many years before that. And one thing that I have failed to mention up to this time, he has a great responsibility of being the editor of the LTBS magazine. And we have several of those on the table out the back, and I hope you would t- take them as you go tonight. But do you remember our brother in prayer. That's a huge responsibility, as anyone who is involved in any editing knows. And so, brother, we'll continue to hold you up in prayer for that ministry as well. That's a very important one. We're very pleased that these folks have been with us in this special weekend of meetings, and our brother's ministry has been well-received. And so continue to pray for him for tonight's message, and then also tomorrow night, and uh, we've enjoyed this time together. So we're going to sing number 476, remaining seated while we sing. And may the mind of Christ, my Savior, live in me, dwell in me from day to day. A great prayer that we all bring before the Lord. Yeah.
2: can hear the voice of my beloved, sweetly saying, I love you, and I know He really loves me, and that all He says is true. Calvary greater love has never been known. I've been washed in his blood and forgiven. I'm redeemed and traveling home, he has. And I'll worship him alone Hear the voice, hear the voice of my beloved Saying the best is yet to come I can hear the voice of my beloved raging all around, trust in me, I'll strengthen you and keep you, in his presence perfect peace is found. I see with all heaven's beauty, and I made the way he have me be. When I hear the angels sing in glory, and I feel the hands of Jesus holding me, I will love him perfectly. Forever with no sin or potential to wrong, and I'll praise and worship my beloved when he says, At last, your And I'll worship him alone Hear the voice, hear the voice of my beloved Saying the best is yet to come He has blessed me, richly blessed me And I'll worship alone. Hear the voice, hear the voice of my beloved, saying the best is yet to
3: Thank you once again for the privilege of being here tonight, and those words are so true, the best is yet to come. There are great things in store for the people of God, and even death cannot rob us, for in fact it is a stepping stone into our eternal reward. Whenever believers died in the Salvation Army, General Boo said they were promoted to glory, and what a wonderful statement that is that someday we'll leave this scene of time and we'll go home, the place where we belong, the place that God has created us for, and we will worship him with a perfect heart. I trust you're saved tonight, If that's your testimony, that you're ready for heaven, you're on your way to your eternal home. And if not, I trust that tonight, even through the preaching of the word of God, that the Lord will speak to your heart and draw you lovingly and tenderly onto him. I want to thank the choir. That was beautiful and such a blessing to my heart. We're turning tonight to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, we want to read the opening verses together and then pray that the Lord will bless us as we read and meditate upon his word tonight. Genesis chapter 4, and commencing to read at verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod in the east of Eden. Amen. And with God's word open before us, let's just unite our hearts together in a word of prayer. Our gracious Lord and our eternal heavenly Father, We give thee thanks and praise for this service of worship tonight. We thank thee, O Lord, for the line in that hymn, My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Lord, the only reason any of us are saved tonight is because the Lord broke the chains of sin. We are so thankful for the work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, for the precious blood that flowed from his head, from his hands, from his feet and from his side, that spotless blood that is able to cleanse fully from every sin and from every stain. We rejoice in those in this gathering who have already repented of their sin and called on Christ to save them and make them clean through the work on the cross of Calvary. And our prayer tonight is, if there are any who are not yet saved, that tonight they would realize that there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all, all their guilty stains. Lord, we thank thee that not one has to leave this meeting tonight in their sin. Not one has to leave on their way to hell. But tonight that the Holy Spirit can work. And we pray, O Lord, for the glory of thy name, that thou will speak to those who are lost tonight and be pleased to draw them onto thyself. Empty me of self and sin, I pray. Fill me with thy spirit and give me help to deliver the word of God to the glory of thy name and for the blessing of this congregation for the extension of the kingdom of God. For us, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have read a portion in God's word tonight that is one of the most attacked portions of the word of God. The first 11 chapters Of Scripture. It's under great attack tonight because man in his sin doesn't want to have to face up to the opening chapters of Scripture, that there is a God. There is a Creator. Man has fallen in his sin. Man is guilty before God. Man is condemned by God. And one day he will stand before this God. The one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one who created man from the dust of the ground. And man rebels against these truths. And because he doesn't agree with them, and because he doesn't like them, and it doesn't sit well with him in his sin, he seeks to try and bring other arguments that will explain away God, explain away creation, that will cover over sin, and that will allow them to have no accountability to anyone. Whether it's a Big Bang Theory or a multitude of other theories that have been presented, they're attacks against the Word of God. I'm glad I can stand in this pulpit tonight and say, every word in this book is true. Every word, every book, every chapter, every verse, every line is God-given. It is God-inspired. It is God-exalting. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I wonder, what have you done with the Word of God? Maybe you like to read it, to learn of some of the personalities in the Word of God. It's often praised as uh, unparalleled excellence in the field of literature, and of course it is. It's given from the Lord. But naturally, man doesn't desire to hear about a holy God, or about judgment, or about hell, or about separation, or about sin. Sin. This is the word of God. To ignore it tonight is to refuse the truth of the gospel, to abandon all hope of eternal salvation, to harden your heart against it is to increase the wrath of God against your soul on the day of judgment. What have you done with the word of God? Maybe there's a scripture verse hanging in your home as a decoration Yet you've rejected the Word of God. Maybe as a child you learned verses at Sunday school, but today you're found rejecting the Word of God. I trust this evening as you hear God's Word, you will not reject it, but you'll open your heart to hear what the Lord would say to you, because every time we open this book and every time we preach from this book, God is speaking. These are not my words. This is the living word of the living God that can change your life. I want us to look at this passage that we read tonight. I simply want to go down and highlight uh, some key points in this passage, and I trust as we do so, the Spirit of God will help us. I want you to notice the birth and the occupation of Cain and Abel. They were the first two children born into this world. Of course, Adam and Eve were not born. They were created. But they were given the ability to have offspring. And Adam and Eve knew these two little babies coming into their home. Their birth was exactly the same as yours and mine. They were born in sin. They were born in sin. With that sinful nature. oh yes, Adam and Eve held each little one as he came along in their arms. they loved them, they were proud of them, and rightly so. and each person in this gathering has done the same with other little babies. God had been good. He had blessed his creation with offspring. But as he looked into the faces of those little babies, they had to acknowledge something before the Lord that they were born with the nature of their parents, with the desires that were contrary to the Word of God, with hearts that are filled with pride, and with the chains of bondage fastened tightly around them. You know, it didn't take long for sin to manifest itself in the lives of those children. If you have ever been around little babies, you'll realize... It doesn't take long to realize sinful nature. No parent has ever had to teach a child how to be rude, how to have a bad temper, how to get into a fight when they get a little older, how to use bad words, how to tell lies, how to be deceitful. No, in fact, parents spend their time trying to teach children not to do that. I remember an observation that struck me As I was studying uh, uh, the book of Genesis some time ago, one man wrote these words, Cain, the first child ever born, was born into a world with no public houses, no street gangs, no evil literature, no bad companions, but he turned out to be a murderer. And in our society today, sometimes people, they blame society, and yes, society can have an effect or an influence to some degree, but the reality is the problem is not what's around us. The problem tonight, if you're not saved, it's what's within you. Your heart is full of sin. It's full of rebellion. And Cain was born with a sinful nature just like you. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Have you ever realized you're a sinner? Has there been a point in your life when you've acknowledged, I am a sinner in the sight of a holy God? David acknowledged that in Psalm 51. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against thee. And thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And that is the reality. If you're sitting tonight unsaved in this meeting, you're a sinner in the sight of a holy God. He knows everything about you. He sees that hard heart. He sees that rebellious spirit. He sees the record of sin from birth to this very moment. He knows it all, things we have long forgotten. God knows it all. The reality is, if you're not saved tonight before a holy God, You're guilty of sinning against him. You're deserving of hell because all that you do is against God. Your sin is abhorrent to God and it must be punished by him. It's interesting to read here what Eve said in verse number one. She said, "'I have gotten a man from the Lord.'" you notice that the word Lord there is in capital letters. That word means Jehovah. Whenever she was speaking with the tempter in Genesis chapter 3, she used the word God. And the Bible commentators would suggest that from that time, she and Adam fell in their sin, and became sinners in the sight of holy God. She is now trusting in the goodness and the provision of the Lord in the salvation that he has provided for his people. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. It makes all the difference. Here she's acknowledging God has been good to her. God has not forgotten her. God has blessed her. The second thing we notice is the occupations of Cain and Abel. Growing up as the first children of the first man and woman created caused them to follow God's natural order. And God's natural order is to take up employment, to work, to earn a living. And they were engaged in different occupations. Some people think that the word "work" is a bad work. Uh, it's a bad word. They don't like it. They don't want to work. They want to be lazy. They want just to be given everything without having to exert any effort. But it's a scriptural principle that we work to live. Abel was a shepherd, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And I want you to notice something here that completely refutes the nonsense that is often taught in society about our ancestors. Here were two men who had rational understanding with jobs and understanding of how to conduct themselves, how to produce from the earth what was necessary to keep their family fed and healthy. They weren't running about, as some would lead you to suppose grunting at each other. These were people with ability to communicate. They were rational, intelligent human beings. In fact, I would suggest that they had more intelligence in this time than we do today. Because sin has affected every part of us. We think we're so intelligent today, don't we? But remember, Adam was a man to whom God gave the mental capacity to name all the animals, he named them all. He had that ability. These were intelligent people who talked and interacted with each other on a rational level. Isn't it so refreshing to read the Word of God? And hear the truth tonight, not the nonsense that man has made up. Two different men with two different occupations, but they had one problem. They both were sinners. Sinners. We go a little further, and we see that Cain and Abel approached the Lord. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass, verse number three, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. Now, why did they approach the Lord? Well, Scripture is silent on this particular point. Some believe that process of time was them growing up, and starting their own families, and as Adam and Eve had offered sacrifices and worshiped the Lord as they were growing up, this is what they decided to do for their family. Perhaps the Lord had called them audibly, perhaps Adam and Eve had taught them the importance now they were young men to start worshiping the Lord and coming before the Lord and making a sacrifice unto the Lord, whatever the background. The truth is that they both came. And you know, outwardly speaking, an onlooker would have just imagined that both were being obedient to the Lord. Both were making their altars. Both were bringing the best that they had and bringing it before the Lord. Both were worshiping. Both were sincere. Both were genuine. That's what it looked like. But remember this principle that man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. And while they appeared to be both going through the motions, only one of them was truly worshiping God. You see, you've come to this gospel meeting tonight, and you have come to sing the songs, bow your head in prayer, listen to the singing, listen to the word of God. You're respectful in the house of God. And others look upon you and make the assumption that you are a Christian because you're doing the things that Christians do on a Sunday in the house of God. But remember, while you may look like a Christian and go through the motions of worship, God looks at your heart tonight. God sees you as you truly are. You cannot fool God. You cannot play the part before God. What does he see when he looks at your heart tonight? Is it one who is a genuine worshiper? One who is saved? One who is cleansed through the blood and is coming to worship the Lord? Or does he see one who is a hypocrite? or they a sinner dressing up for the Sunday to put on the show, but the reality is you are not saved. Notice in verse number four, at the end of the verse, it says the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Why did the Lord accept Abel's offering? The Bible tells us the answer. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4, we have the answer of why God accepted Abel's offering. Hebrews chapter 11, and verse number 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Abel approached the Lord in faith. He came believing. Believing in what? Because the Lord Jesus Christ was not yet born. Yes, he was promised, but the Son of God had not been born into this world. That would happen thousands of years later. So, how was Abel saved? How were Noah, David, Solomon, Esther, Deborah, Joshua, Moses saved? How were these Old Testament people saved? Well, the answer is very simple. They were saved by looking forward to the Lamb of God that would take away the Son of the world. We're in the New Testament era. How are we saved? We are saved by looking back to the Lamb of God that took away the Son of the world. You see, in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Now whenever Abel made that sacrifice, the Bible tells us that he brought of the firstlings of his flock. That means he brought the best of the flock. That animal was taken. That animal was killed. And its blood was collected and sprinkled upon the altar and the animal was made a burnt sacrifice unto the Lord. Abel wasn't trusting in that animal, that sacrifice to save him. But by faith, as he made that sacrifice, he was looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice, the Savior of the world, the only Savior of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who was beaten beyond recognition. The one who was spat upon. The one who opened not his mouth as the soldiers came and plucked the hairs from his face in bitterness. The one who was mocked and ridiculed. The one who was called a fraud and a blasphemer. The one who was accused. The one who was accused of being full of devil. He suffered every affliction, every pain, and every agony as he was nailed to the cross. And in spite of the suffering of the Savior physically, Creator was to come whenever the earth grew dark. And God the Father poured upon his Son his anger his wrath against sin. For every sin I have committed, Christ suffered on the cross of Calvary. He suffered for the sins of his people. The just one. For me, the unjust. That he might bring me to God. A suffering saviour, Greater love hath no man than this, than the man lay down his life. And willingly Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken of God that we might be united to God. He suffered the agony that we might be delivered from hell. Praise God, there's nothing more to pay. The work is completed. He cried, it is finished. And praise God, after he gave up the ghost three days later, he rose again triumphant. Evidence, physical evidence, proof to this world that God the Father had accepted the sacrifice of his Son. And yet today, there are people, and they'll say, there's some other way you can come. There's some other way you can please God. There's some other way you can get to heaven. There's some other way you can live a good life, and God will accept you. No, the only way you can be accepted before God, the only way you can have peace with God, the only way you can be in heaven is through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, if you're not saved tonight, I beg you, I urge you, turn from your sin tonight. Confess it, forsake it, repent of it, and call upon the Lord to save you because that is what Abel did that day. He turned from the things that would take him to hell and trusted in the work of his Savior, the one whom God had promised to be his deliverer. He obeyed the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What does the Lord say to you tonight, dear sinner? I love the words of Romans 10, 13. I never preach a gospel message without quoting it. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say to me, can I be saved tonight, preacher? The Bible says, whosoever. No matter how far you've gone, no matter how dark your life has been, no matter the chains of addiction that you have known, Christ can save you tonight. He can set you free. He can give you liberty. He can give you joy. I don't need to know your background. I don't need to know the depths of your sin. The Lord knows, and still he calls to you. Whosoever shall be saved. And we rejoice tonight that Abel was accepted by God. And if you call and you approach God tonight through Christ, the Lord will have respect unto you, the Lord will accept you. And we are glad of that tonight. But that's not the end of this passage. Let's not forget that while Abel was accepted by God, God rejected Cain's offering. But on to Cain, verse 5, and to his offering. He had not respect. Why not? Because it wasn't God's way. It doesn't matter how else you come. Every other way leads to hell apart from Christ. He is the only way. What did Cain bring before the Lord? Well, he brought of the fruit of the ground. And I've no doubt that he probably bought his best. He didn't offer just anything, but he offered the best of the ground. But the great problem with that, he brought something that was cursed and tainted by sin unto the Lord. Because in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 17, we read And unto Adam God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, thou hast eaten of the tree which I have commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. Cursed is the ground. He brought something that was cursed before the Lord, something from the ground, the fruit of the ground. And to offer anything else to God other than the finished work of Christ is to say that the work of Christ is not enough for you. What an insult to the Lord. God does not need your work. God does not want your work. The work of salvation is complete. What you need to do tonight is to humble yourself and to call upon the Lord to save you. are people today in Northern Ireland, I'm sure in Canada as well, and when you speak to them about salvation, you know what they say, I've got my church. Your church can't save you. My preacher told me we don't need to go to extremes and worry about born-again Christianity. Just try your best to follow the commandments, give to the church, attend the meetings, and things will be all right. Your preacher can't save you either. Only Christ can save. And writer said, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of Of the land. What I find next in the Word of God is great mercy. Because the Lord did not immediately pour out his anger upon Cain and cast him off into hell, which he rightly deserved, like any sinner does. But the Lord showed mercy, and the Lord said unto him in verse 7 If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. If you do what I ask you to do, if you approach my way, you will be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And I say to you tonight, dear sinner, if thou doest well, you'll be accepted. In other words, if you do what God asks you to do, to repent and believe, to turn from your sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take the opportunity to be saved tonight. Do what is right. Do well tonight. Trust in the Lord with your heart. Claim a refuge in the finished work of Christ for sinners. But notice what the Lord also says, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now, there's different opinions on what exactly this means. But I did read of an explanation by a Bible commentator, which I think is particularly apt, and I certainly feel that it fits in here very well. It's often said there's a step between me and death, between time and eternity. It's like going through a door. Death is like a door. You're on this side for your lifetime and you will have one time to walk through that door. And friend, what will happen when you walk through the door of death? What will happen whenever death comes to you? The first thing, if you die as a sinner, that you'll be confronted with is your sin. That's the very first thing. The consequences of your sin as you open your eyes in hell in the blackness and the darkness of a lost eternity, with the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth, with no hope of even a drop of water upon your tongue to quench your thirst, with your memory intact, being able to remember life upon this earth, being able to remember services such as this where the preacher pleaded with you to be saved, that will be there for eternity. Sin lieth at the door. Sometimes we hear of celebrities who have maybe lived a very wicked life and they come to an end in their life and we hear it reported on the news and commentators and friends will come along and pay tribute to them and say, well, they had a troubled life, but they're at rest now. And if that person is died without the Lord, they're not at rest. They're not at rest. They're in the agonies of hell because sin lieth at the door. The only way you can die well, the only way you can die well is to die in Christ. God warned this man. He made it so clear he set out the way before him. Do right and be accepted. Or if you do not well, sin lieth at the door. And Cain shows us the depths to which sin will take the sinner. Rather than repenting and believing God. Rather than humbling himself, what does he do? He lifts his hand and he murders his brother. Oh, the wickedness of the sinful heart of man. Praise God for the restraint he has placed in our lives. And perhaps, dear unsaved person, you have not been too far, as it were, into the very uh, outward destructive acts of sin. You've never murdered anyone. You've not committed adultery. You've not stolen vast sums of money. But the reality is tonight, whether it's murder or or theft, or pride, or lies, or living against the Lord, hypocrisy, or envy. All sin is against God. Don't think somehow because you're not the greatest sinner that you know, you'll be a little better and treated a little better. All sin is against God. The wages of sin is death. God will deal with your sin. You'll not be the one who's the exception. You'll not be the one who's welcomed into heaven, even though you've lived against God. This is the moment that God is calling you this night to make sure that the matter of your soul's eternity is settled by trusting in Christ and turning from your sin. The openly outward sinner, the terrorist, the drug pusher, the abuser will be in the same hell as a respectable church-going Sinner, and that's where you're headed to tonight. If you're not saved, and you might have thought, "Well, that's about as far as anybody can go." That's as far as any man or woman could go to murder another person, even their own family member. That's about as far as an individual could go. But you know what? Cain went further because we read in verse number 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He went out from the presence of the Lord. He had been speaking with the Lord. The Lord had been speaking to him and he made the decision to walk out of the presence of the Lord. That's a solemn statement. That's a solemn statement. He left the God of hope, the God of forgiveness, the God of salvation. He left him and walked away. I believe it's an eternal statement. Cain made his final decision about his soul and about his eternity. He made it that day. And went out from the presence of the Lord. Now he lived many more years. But he sealed his eternity that day. It was a damning statement. Because never again do we read of Cain coming into the presence of the Lord. We're in the presence of the Lord tonight. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, the Lord is in the midst. Where God's word is opened and being preached, he is in the midst. In the prayer meeting before this service, God's people were praying for the presence of God to be here. We are in God's presence tonight. We have been blessed already. And perhaps you have known the finger of God highlighting the fact that you're a sinner and you need to come to Him for salvation. I beg you tonight, I urge you tonight, don't walk out of the presence of the Lord. Don't leave in your sin. Don't leave this place where God has met and blessed His people and walk out rejecting the offer of mercy that is freely, freely offered to you in the gospel tonight. God may just take you at your word. I remember hearing Dr. Paisley telling of a mission he had one time in Northern Ireland. And as he sat, or as he preached in that mission, there was a woman, and she sat each night a few rows in the back. And as he preached the gospel, the tears were coming down her face. And night after night, he saw it, and he was praying for her, that the Lord would bring her right through, not that she would have concerned, but she would be converted. And then one night, there was something different about her. As he preached in that meeting, he looked down, and there were no tears. There was no concern upon her face. There was a look, in fact, of great disinterest. And he shook her hand at the door. And he said, something's happened. You sat here crying for nights. And now there are no tears. What's happened? She said, I was convicted. And I was concerned about my sin. But I went home last night. And I prayed that the Lord would never speak to me again. I prayed that he would never make me feel concerned about my soul. And she said, I have sat in this meeting tonight and there hasn't been a flicker of concern and I'll never be back in a gospel meeting again. What if this is the last opportunity for you to be saved? What if this is your last gospel meeting If sin lies at your door, get it dealt with tonight. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return on to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Two men approached God, one left forgiven. The other left in his sin. And many have walked into this gathering tonight. And perhaps you've entered this building as a sinner. My question is this, how are you going to leave? Don't leave in your sin tonight. We're not guaranteed one more day. There's no guarantee you'll even make it home tonight. But praise God, I have a guarantee that, sure, if you call upon my Saviour, you will be saved. Come tonight. Don't put it off until tomorrow, but come and welcome to Jesus.
0: The Lord has been speaking tonight. Friend, if your heart has been touched by the Word, then please wait behind and uh, speak to us at the door. We encourage you to put this matter right. If you've been listening online tonight, reach out to us. Send an email. We'll be sure to contact you and show you how you can Know Christ as your only Savior. We'll bow, please, in prayer. Father, take this solemn word we have heard tonight and write it upon every one of our hearts. For every one of us who know Christ, we look back to that day when we were saved by sovereign grace. And today, Lord, we know we have a home in heaven, And we look forward with anticipation to that day when we will see our Savior and be welcomed home. But dear God, tonight let no one be left out that is here this night listening to this message. And I pray, Father, for the Spirit's effectual call and working in every heart. So, Lord, bless our time tonight. Receive our thanks for the food that is downstairs, the time of fellowship, and those who must leave. Lord, may we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit that will be with us and abide with us until we meet again, or we meet in glory. We ask in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen.